Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot, we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. This show is sponsored by BetterHelp. Now, we all carry around different stressors, both big and small. Sometimes the small stressors are the worst for me because I cannot stop thinking about them when I'm trying to sleep or when I'm trying to go about my day. I keep those little things bottled up and it can start to affect me negatively. Now, therapy is a safe space to get those things off of my chest and figure out how to work through all that stuff. And if you've never benefited from therapy, I think it's time you explore. I think anyone can be helped by going to a professional therapist. It's so incredibly helpful to get those coping skills skills and uh, deal with those stressors. So uh, if you're thinking of starting therapy, you can give BetterHelp a try. It's entirely online, designed to be super convenient, flexible, and suited to your schedule. All you got to do is fill out this quick, brief questionnaire, and you get matched with a licensed therapist, and you can switch therapists at any time for no additional charge, which I think is so important. Uh, so that way you find someone that you work well with. Now, get it off your chest with BetterHelp. Visit BetterHelp.com slash Everything Iconic today to get 10% off your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P dot com slash Everything Iconic. What do I always tell our kids? The bad truth is what? Better than a good lie. Yeah, she came in with the bad truth that my friends were talking behind my back and she didn't feel good about it and her guilt kicked in and I feel like I saw Whitney in a different way and I'm like, wow, this is being my friend. And as awful as the message was... She still did. She still delivered it. She said it and I gave her, like, I will always give her credit for like saying the bad truth. What do I always say, John? Tell the camera what I always say to our kids. Tell them, what do I always say? (laughs) Hello, everyone, and welcome to Everything Iconic with me, Danny Pellegrino. That was a clip from this week's Real Houses of Salt Lake City, which is delivering week after week after week. And Lisa Barlow and John sitting down and having that conversation was so actory and so performative, and I think that's what's so good about Salt Lake City is that it feels like they're putting on a play of the Real House size. And I say that with all of the compliments in the world because it's the best hour I have watching TV each week, sitting down, enjoying my Salt Lake City gals in the snow. I have never have such a smile on my face. And I do believe that before they turned on that red light, Lisa sat down with John and said, hey, I'm going to bring this up and just say that I say the saying, bad truth, good lie. You know, we could write it on a pillow. Just in case the Vita Tequila goes under because everyone on the show is saying that she gives sexual favors to get Vita Tequila on the store shelves. At least she's got a backup plan where she could print some of these sayings on a coffee mug or something, sell them at the bazaar at next year's BravoCon. You know what I'm saying, ladies and right. So I think she's doing some smart entrepreneurship. Now, I'm not sure if this saying is as good as something as maybe Dorinda would do on The Real Houses of New York. It's not giving, say it, forget it, write it, regret it. It's not giving clip, but it is giving a bad truth is better than a good lie. It is at least something originally I haven't heard on this show before. She came in with a bad truth. She came in with a bad truth. And I, I love Salt Lake City. So we're going to be talking about this week's Real Houses of Salt Lake City. We're also going to do a little recap of the Real Houses of Beverly Hills after Salt Lake City. I'll try to put a timestamp in the episode description if you want to skip ahead. But for now, I just want to say congratulations to us all. We did it. We 
as humans did it, all of you out there who made it to the end of the season of The Real House of Beverly Hills should pat yourself on the back, go do some self-care, go treat yourself to something, go buy yourself something nice because you deserve it. You've earned it, baby. You've earned it because this was a slog of a season. At the end of any Real Housewives season, I do think it's something that we should congratulate ourselves about because it's... I think of the feeling as akin to finishing a book. There's no better feeling than when you finish a good book, a bad book, any book, and you're closing that last page. That's why I like a hardcover of a book, because I love the satisfaction of just finishing that fucking book and closing the page. And so I think that's how we should feel at the end of a Real Housewives season, especially one like this one, Real Houses of Beverly Hills, which so much has happened. It's been a hundred fucking episodes. I feel like we've been watching it since the beginning of time. And uh, there's been so much happening on screen, off screen, in the social media, the blogs. I can't keep up with it all. I was doing a recap last week of Salt Lake of Beverly Hills, and then there was so much other stuff that was happening online with the lips, Rena, and I can't keep up with it all. And it's impossible to keep up with it all. And so I'm just grateful that we all made it to the end. And so I congratulate us all. So bravo to all of us. Bravo, bravo, and bravo to all of us. So way to go, way to go, baby girls. Baby girl, yeah. Beverly Hills gals are gone. Finally, we did it. We did it. Anyway, we're going to recap that reunion in just uh, a little bit. But for now, we got to talk about the Real House of Salt Lake City. Now, I mentioned Dorinda. This week, Salt Lake City opened in New York. And I thought, what are we doing here without Dorinda? Because you see Jen Shah, she's on the streets of New York. And I thought, why don't we have one of the New York gals uh, breezing by, Countess Luann, striking up into frame and just singing her Giovanni song or something? Why don't we have Sonia Tremont Morgan doing her burlesque in the corner of frame? I mean, there's just no excuse for it. We were in New York, and I didn't even understand the whole logistics of that. Was she in front of a green screen or something? Because the only shot we got of Jen Shaw in New York was her on the phone with Coach Shaw, and it was maybe 15 seconds, maybe 15, 20 seconds. It wasn't very long. And I was like, why would they send a whole crew to New York? But it didn't look like footage from a cell phone or something. It looked like a professional camera person, which leads me to believe that they sent a camera person or producer to New York City with Jen Shah. And they did this one quick little moment. And then that was it. Then the next time we saw Jen Shah, she was in the streets of Salt Lake City. And that, that was it. It was like, what were you doing in New York? She could have popped by Luann's Cabaret or something. Because I miss those New York City gals. It's been upwards of two years since I've seen Sonia Tremont Morgan flash us her hoo-ha, her Meredith Grey on screen, and I miss it. I miss it. Not the specifics, but I do miss seeing Sonia Morgan on screen. And so I just think it was a missed opportunity. What are we doing there without Dorinda? Just have one of them walk by. Couldn't you have mic'd up any? I would have settled for anyone. Jules, whatever Jules's name was. Jules, we could have gotten Jules in there. Kelly, the, what's her name? Ben, ben Simone. I can't even remember everybody's name. <laughs> I did see Kelly Ben Simone on TikTok though. She's doing all these realtor TikToks. And they're sh- speaking of Shah, they're shaacking because just go look. I mean, she's like a realtor. She should be on a million dollar list in New York. Is she? I don't watch those. Anyway, moving on. I think we should have had someone there. Why send a whole crew and then just have one quick scene? That led me to believe that it was maybe green screen that Jen Shah was in front of. And I do feel like this whole show is, uh, they're performing the Real House size. I feel like this is a stage play, and the Salt Lake City women are performing what they believe is Real House size. That's what makes it so good. And now I'm starting to have these other conspiracy theories, like maybe we're on sets. Maybe we're not even in the wild. Maybe we're not even on the fly, as they say. We are just on a green screen set, and it's basically like they're how they film Avatar, I imagine. It's just put Jen Shah... Maybe it's not even the gals. Maybe Heather Gay is not Heather Gay. It's really, I don't know, Sigourney Weaver. 
and she's just in the avatar, those little blue balls they put on themselves, and then they film it. James Cameron's behind the screen. I wouldn't be surprised. I've seen crazier things happen. And so what I'm saying is this whole scene, this whole season, this whole show could really just be Avatar 4 or 5 or 6. I'm not sure what Avatar we're on now, but I do believe that maybe maybe we're in there. Then we get to Salt Lake City after the New York thing, and that's when we see Lisa and John. She's like, did you miss me? And she, they were doing this thing leading us to believe that she was doing this really hard workout, and then we see Lisa, and I thought she was with a trainer, but she ended up being with the husband, John. And I have a lot of thoughts about the husband, John. But anyway, she brings up how Angie H. started this rumor about her sucking dick for jazz tickets. I like dick. And I love, first of all, how they have to use a last initial because there's so many fucking Angies on this show. Just like put that last initial. Because in real life, even if you know a hundred Dannys or Michaels or whatever, I feel like I know a million Michaels. I know a million Katies. I know a million, I think, Lindsay's. And so even if you do, though, in real life, you don't always give the last name. You either give a nickname or something. And they decided on the Salt Lake City season not to give nicknames or anything. They were just like, well, it's Angie H, Angie K, Angie G, Angie C. So they just give them all the last initials. And it's so odd, but I love it. I love it. But Angie started all this mess about the jazz tickets, sucking dick for whatever. And I thought, why isn't she a housewife? She started all that mess last season with the cater stuff. And why didn't they give her a snowflake? What's happening with Angie? Did she do something crazy that I'm not familiar with? Was she one of them who had like crazy social media stuff? I can't keep up with all of it. Anyway, she uh, Lisa brings up all the stuff that Angie H. See, now I'm going to mix them all up. So this is Angie. Angie H. is Sarah Paulson. Okay. Okay, let me get this all straight. Angie H. equals Sarah Paulson. So maybe we should just call her Sarah, her horror story. Because isn't Sarah Paulson's always in those horror stories? So horror story is Angie H, or maybe it's going to be Sarah. But we'll see. We'll see how it goes. Anyway, Angie H started all these rumors, and this is when Lisa says, "What do I always say? Bad truth is better than a good lie. What don't I always say that to the kids?" And I do feel bad. I would not like to be on a show where everybody's talking about my marriage and my husband and sucking dick for jazz tickets and sucking dick to get Vita Tequila on the store shelves. But it is, in a way, in a sick sort of way, it's the price of admission for these shows, unfortunately. And uh, I just think it's so funny that it's now gotten to the point of like sucking dick for jazz tickets because <laughs> we've gone so far. We've, of course, had other Housewife franchises where they – accuse the husband of cheating, you know, let's talk about the husband. We've gotten that kind of thing, but we've never gotten the specifics of second dick for jazz tickets. And so I just want to say thank you. Thank you to the gals. Then we cut to Whitney and the husband. Now we didn't cover the show last week, but I have a lot of questions. First on my list is like, what the fuck is, is I don't. Okay. I first have to give a little disclaimer because I do feel so empathetic and I feel so much for Whitney and this abuse that she's talking about. And so I hope she gets to the bottom of it and I hope she heals and finds finds comfort and finds resolution because there's nothing worse. And I do believe that sometimes traumatic things happen and we block them out. And so her finding all this information must be really traumatic and uncovering all these feelings that she had buried so deep down in her soul. I could only imagine doing that and then doing it on camera for the whole world to see. So that's all said, because I don't want people, I know people are going to misconstrue what I say, but in terms of the Heather Gay of it all, I don't fucking understand what Whitney's doing, because I feel like Whitney got mad that Heather Gay said she didn't remember the second dick for jazz ticket situation. So 
then Whitney was getting mad, and then I felt like Whitney was doing this strange reach or something. And that's just my opinion of it. Maybe some of you feel differently, but I felt like Whitney was reaching so hard to try to conflate the two, or maybe that's not the right word, but try to connect the two dots of saying, I was trying to give my trauma. And I felt like all Heather Gay was saying was like, oh, well, we came out here for Jen Shah on this Arizona trip to 1998, which is crazy anyway. It's like, why are they going on a trip? Whitney had a great moment later on in the episode, and she's like, why are we cheersing Jen Shah? <laughs> they were all cheersing her. They were like, yay to Jen. And Whitney's like, isn't she like going to jail or prison or something? <laughs> I love this show. Uh, anyway, I don't understand the, the Whitney and Heather Gay of it all. I just feel like Whitney was grasping at straws there. And Heather was looking at her the whole time, like, what the fuck are you doing? Like, I don't understand the storyline you're going for. And Whitney can be overdramatic. And she, I know she's on her Hillen journey. And she kept saying, she kept bringing up Hillen too. And I don't know if I'm just noticing it more, but it feels like every other word out of her mouth. And I do want her to heal, but it's a lot. Every time she's saying healing instead of healing and fillings instead of feelings and her energy healer instead of healer. I am just noticing every word now. And the storyline, okay, so she sits down with her husband. And again, I want her well. I also don't understand how she has a never-ending amount of siblings. <laughs> I hate to say that, but is anyone else feeling like there's... Every week I feel like she's like, I'm going to meet with these other siblings. I'm like, who? <laughs> Who's that now? I can't keep up. I need someone to show me a family tree. Someone needs to put a 23 in me on screen for Whitney and the family because I can't keep up with all of them. I feel like it's... I can't keep up. Too many, too many uh, people in this, too much filler in this family. Anyway, uh, the storyline's both ending now, which I think it's ending too soon and going on too long. It's both of those things because uh, on some level I am thinking, okay, good. Are we done with this? Because I'm not even sure I understand it. And again, the trauma, I can't even imagine, but it's not being presented to us very clearly. Like I don't understand exactly what the trauma is. And now they're saying they're ending it. And so I'm just so confused. And then I want to know more, but then also I'm not sure that I do. Does that make sense? I don't know. It's all very nuts to me. And I think it's maybe the presentation of it. And so maybe that's not even on Whitney. I feel bad maybe for Whitney because it's just not being presented clearly. Anyway, then we, oh, this is one of my favorite scenes of the whole episode, you guys. Ah, sit tight, little bear, because Heather and Angie, a.k.a. American Horror Story, they have a sit down with some martinis. Now, Sarah Paulson is wearing these fur cuffs, fur cuffs on her arms, fur cuffs on the legs. It's a black jumpsuit, I think, with the fur cuffs. Maybe it's faux fur. And Angie does this bit with the martini glasses that I swear, I thought I was watching Kristen Wiig for a minute because, first of all, Angie is half in the bag. She's half in the bag, lights up half in the bag. It was like she had a box of Franzia before we even started this whole scene because she sauntered on into the screen with the martinis. I'm not even sure if it was just a, a, a box of Franzia. It might have been two martinis and a stray pill she found between the couch cushions before Heather got there. But something was going on with Angie because she sort of she saunters into frame. That's the only word I could think of that she does is saunters into frame with the martinis. She's like, I'm not a, I'm not a waitress. And then she does this whole bit. And Heather's going along with it. it if... For those of you who know the improv world, this would be called yes anding. So if anyone's taken classes at Second City or the Groundlings, then this is what I would call yes anding because Heather goes along with it, even though it's completely insane. This whole martini bit is just like, 
I swear I was, I was at the groundlings and I was just watching Kristen Wiig do a scene about martini glasses and setting down martini. And it was like 45 minutes. It was a really long time. I mean, comparatively to the footage that we saw of Jen Shaw in New York on the streets of New York, I mean, that was 10 seconds. And now we're getting Angie doing this whole bit with the martini glasses and she was spilling them everywhere. And then she says she wouldn't ever talk about Lisa second dick at the jazz games because she says it's a business environment. She just says it's a business environment. I'm thinking of oh, the jazz game. I mean, I know she said the husband's got uh, box seats or something, so that's his business people are there. But just it's all so incredibly insane. Like, oh, we can't talk about second dick at the jazz games. I would never talk about second dick at the jazz game because it's a business environment, as if it's a conference room or something. <laughs> She's on a business Zoom. <laughs> Half in the bag from that box of Francia. Anyway, she does get a confessional. And she says Whitney's a potster and Lisa's a submissive. And she, it's very clear to me that Angie wants to be on the show. And I actually really want her to be on the show because everything that she's serving, I'm eating because I love it all. Every moment she's given us on screen from the martini glasses to her doing this bit in the confessional about Lisa being a submissive. I love it. I love it. I love it. And I want more. And she's stirring up all this shit with the second dick and the jazz tickets. And last season, I know she stirred up all that shit about the caterers. And so give me more of her. I don't know what we got to do. What, who do I got to talk to over at Bravo HQ? Andy. Let's get Andy on the line. We need to get Angie H. in there for some more. And if she's not available, then just hire Sarah Paulson at this point. James Cameron can work with her. And we could just call her Angie. It doesn't matter. Just I need somebody performing the role of Angie H. <laughs> Oh, I'm giggly. Okay, so then Heather reveals that she's doing this ski trip with all of her cousins. Now, this is another, this is like Whitney's siblings and like a hundred cousins. A hundred cousins. A hundred cousins. Anyway, we do see Heather meeting with her book agent. Now, these meetings are made up for camera. And I will say that as a ghostwriter, it is something that... (laughs) No one, the book agent, the editors don't normally like, they're not going to travel because this book editor is not in Salt Lake City. So they're either sending the book person sending because they want it on the show. So they want to show it on camera so that it helps sell the book. So I hate to just, I don't know, call that out. I mean, I shouldn't. I actually have heard really good things about Heather's book, though, I will say. In the book world, I have heard that her book is excellent. So I'm excited to read it. But this meeting with the book agent that they flash back to, that was made up for camera. I mean, I'm sure she has met with a book agent, and I'm certain that she would not normally do it on camera, but they want to show that so people buy the book, and I'm going to buy it anyway, because I'm excited for that book. You know I love me some other game. Then we cut to, oh, you guys, every scene, every scene, um, now we cut to Brooks, Meredith, and Seth sitting down. I'm alive, and so are you! And he's a senior at NYU, and Meredith, she's like, he was kind enough to come visit his old mother and father. And I was like, yeah, because he's on camera. You know, of course he's going to visit you two. Of course he's going to hobnob around with you two around town, Salt Lake City, because you're on camera. He's got some sweatsuits to sell. And so then the scene was so crazy. He says that he's had a boyfriend for two years, and Seth is like, well, has mom met him? And I was like, did we miss a step here? Because weren't we just arguing last season about the things that Jen Shaw said? And I... I, then I had to check myself because I realized what we were arguing about last season 
was not about whether or not Brooks was homosexual or LGBTQ+. It was that Jen Shah had said these awful things to him or about him or liked tweets or something. I don't even fucking remember. Anyway, it's fascinating. It feels like we just skipped a step, and maybe that's a sign of the times. Because when I came out of the closet when I was in college, I had to sit down with the parents. Thanksgiving weekend, uh, we had Thanksgiving dinner in the Sunday after, before I flew off to Chicago, I sat my parents down and said, hey, I'm a big gay, homosexual. Then I had to have a big dramatic coming out moment. And here on The Real House of Salt Lake City, he's just like, yeah, I've been having a boyfriend for two years. And Seth is like, well, his mom met him, and then we just move on. And then Seth talks about how he's attracted to Brett Favre. And then, <laughs> and then Meredith is like, I don't know who the fuck that is. She's like, I think I could sort of picture him. And I felt the same way, Mayor. I was right on your side. I was not able to engage in that conversation because I can't even think of what... They showed a picture of Brett Favre, and I was like, oh, I guess he sort of looks familiar. But I always feel like straight guys say they want to fuck Tom Brady. Isn't that who they always say they want to do it with? I don't know. If I... I don't know. I always... I don't know. I can't keep up with footballers. Anyway, Meredith's nephew, she says he has some mental health issues, which we love that she's supporting him and that she's supporting this cause for mental health stuff. And the, they're doing some fashion show or something. I'm not sure. Then we cut to Jen and Coach Shaw. And, oh, I have a lot of thoughts about this, too, because they did some soul gazing, which I don't know what the fuck that was. I know everyone has a story, and that was their story, was that they were soul gazing into each other's eyes. Everyone has a story. No idea what that meant. No idea what it meant to be soul gazing. They stared at each other. I was like, what is this acting exercise? (laughs) I was ready for them to start saying red leather, yellow leather, red leather, yellow leather, because it felt like an acting exercise I was watching. And speaking of acting exercises, what I want to say about Jen Shah and Coach Shah is something that Bravo fans talk about a lot in terms of why is Jen Shah coming across as so easy, breezy, beautiful, and Bamboozle Jane over on The Real House of Beverly Hills is not. And what I realized this week, I solved the puzzle Put me in, coach. I solved the mystery. It is that she has a sympathetic scene partner, Jen Shah, on The Real House of Salt Lake City, in Coach Shah. He's an empathetic, sympathetic scene partner. Meanwhile, Bamboozle Jane is doing all of her scenes with Lips Rinna. And those two are cackling around like Flotsam and Jetsam from The Little Mermaid. But who cares? And so I think that the reason why we're watching this and thinking, oh, Jen Shah seems nice, despite the fact that she's pled guilty to all these crimes bamboozling the elderly. And meanwhile, Erica Jane on The Real House of Beverly Hills hasn't been charged, I don't believe, with any crimes yet and hasn't pled guilty to nothing. Certainly not pleading guilty to anything uh, yet. And yet... Jen Shaw is coming across as great, and Bamboozle Jane's coming across as evil, and it's because of the scene partner. And so I do believe that Lips will be out next season, and so maybe Erica Jane could find someone who's sympathetic. Although, I don't know if there's that many cast members over on Beverly Hills Housewives that are sympathetic. But she better make them her scene partner. She should be friends with one of the nicest people. She should be friends with Garcelle on Beverly Hills, then people would like her more. Because Garcelle seems like a nice human being. And not, uh, don't sit with the person everybody hates the most, because it's not doing you any favors, I'm sorry to say. I know they're friends, though, so I guess whatever. I'm tired of people questioning my innocence, Jen says. <laughs> uh, every time Jen Shaw says something on, the, on this season, she's like, I'm so sick of people saying I'm not innocent. And it's like, Jen, you pled guilty. Like, what the fuck? <laughs> I love it. I love it. Every time she says it, I feel like they put that music in the background where it's just this like, 
I don't know, crazy music calling her out. Anyway, Andy, did you see Andy implied that they're cutting ties with Jen Shah? I think it was at BravoCon or something. Not sure where it was, but he basically said like Jen Shah's out. And so I guess they're cutting ties with her after this season, but then they'll bring her back and they'll do a sit down. And I need a sit down. I need Andy. Remember when Andy visited Countess Luann's uh, Hampton's house and was like, what the fuck happened? You remember when she's like, what happened with your divorce? And he went personally to her house. It was so good. It was so good. So I'm hoping that's what happens. He just shows up to Chalet before she goes off to wherever she's going. Okay, then we get the scene with Lisa and her son, Jack. He's making this poster board for the sweetheart dance because he's going to the sweetheart dance. We don't know if he's going to college yet. Fudge college, honestly. Fudge college, but don't fudge the sweetheart dance because he's saying yes. And this is a thing that happened, I think, after I was in school because I remember on Laguna Beach, that show, remember? Which, by the way, they were the same age as me, but I remember watching Laguna Beach and they were doing the big uh, things when they were inviting people to dances. They were doing these big gestures. And then I felt like that made it a thing. But I didn't know that it happened before then. It didn't happen in my school, but I remember watching El Laguna Beach and seeing it. And so it's interesting that the kids do that now. I mean, I guess I guess they're doing it. Anyway, I'm glad he's gone, and I hope he goes to college. Fudge college, honestly. Fudge college. Anyway, Lisa, this is so interesting. She calls her brother Brian. She's got six kids in the family, one boy. And Lisa's been doing this thing this season where she's revealing all this really intense information about her childhood. Remember, I think it was a week or two ago, she told that story about being left at the McDonald's playpen. And now, I don't mean to laugh, but now she says this horrific story. And she's so focused on all these other things. But she's dropping these intense nuggets, and this week she reveals that she got duct taped to a school post and nobody helped her? Like, what the fuck? No one helped her. She was just, she was just locked to the, duct taped to the school post. Like, that's a traumatic thing. And then she's crying about the siblings getting divorced, which I'm sure that's a sad thing to watch your siblings go through divorce. But I don't know that that's as sad as you getting tied to a goalpost and duct taped to a goalpost. Like, that's pretty traumatic. I think I've told this story before, but I remember this girl in my high school. She got another bully girl tied her shoelace to the bus, to the school bus. And I remember we got to this girl's stop and the girl tried to get up. She tried to stand up and get off at her stop. And she didn't realize this other bully girl had tied her shoe to the bus. And I think that sticks out in my memory because then the, I remember the bus like laughing at her and stuff. And it was a traumatic experience. And I remember it so vividly. And I can't even imagine what it would have felt like to get tied to the bus. And so now I'm thinking, what would it have been like to be Lisa and getting duct taped to the goalposts? Like, that's pretty intense. But meanwhile, she's crying about all the siblings getting divorced. And... I actually, this is going to be controversial to say, I don't think she has a relationship with the siblings. (laughs) That's kind of mean. It's sort of mean, but I don't know. I sort of feel like she's doing it for camera. Does anyone else feel that way? Like, I don't think she's actually talked to Brian, who she keeps calling B. She's like, hey, B. Hey, B. What do I always say? (laughs) I think she never talks to him, except for now. She's like, I think I need to have some more supporting characters for my storylines on The Real House of Salt Lake City. And so she got Brian involved. But I, it felt to me like it was the first time they were speaking in maybe 10 years. And I'm, maybe that's wrong. That's just how I feel. Anyway, Lisa says, my sisters say I got the best husband. And then John, so this is how the scene ends. It's Lisa saying, my sisters always say I got the best husband. And then it's John saying, that's because they don't know me. Then it just fucking ends. It just ends. <laughs> 
the button on the scene was just like, yeah, they don't know me. And I felt like he was telling the truth. I didn't believe it was sarcastic. And maybe some of you believe that it was sarcastic. I don't. I think it was just like, yeah, they don't know me at all. And then we cut to Whitney and the husband. Now, she had to get a notary, which I could talk about this for 45 minutes. Pull over if you're driving because I'm tired of notaries. What do we got to do to get rid of notarized things? I'm sick of it because anytime you got to notarize something, it's the worst thing ever. You should be able to do that online. Maybe you can that I'm not aware of it, but I don't think you can. It's ass backwards. Got to stop with the notaries. It's unacceptable. How come we could do everything else online? Everything else. You could do all your banking online, That's but you can't notarize something online? It's Maybe you can. You guys are going to yell at me and be like, yeah, you can, but I don't. they have to do the stamp thing, right? It's just the most obnoxious process. It's the most obnoxious thing I've ever heard of in my life, notarizing things. I just recently had to get something notarized, and it was like, had to look up online where to get the notary and all that shit. It's like, let's cool it. Let's cool it with the notaries. It's just something, some things, it also feels like a scam. They're just trying to make more money because then you got to pay the notaries and it costs money to notarize. And it's just bullshit. And I'm fucking sick of it. So I don't know who we got to talk to. Biden, get in there and fix it. Okay. I mean, when will you take this on? Because I'm sick of notaries. And God bless all of you out there who are notaries. I respect the hustle because you make extra cash, I'm sure, on the side. And I respect that. But as someone who has to get things notarized, I'm sick of it. I am sick of it. Fudge notaries. Fudge college, honestly. Fudge it. Fudge it. Anyway, she gets the thing notarized to leave the Mormon. She said she tried to leave three times. It's like leaving the gym. They won't let you leave the fucking thing. And then uh, a, a man has to approve her leaving? Like, fuck off with that. I'm so sick of it. It's also gross. Like, oh, a man. And then she was trying to explain the situation, how, like, well, men can do this and women. It's also fucked up. It's also fucked up. The way that women are treated in society at large is disgusting. The patriarchy, down with it. Fudge the patriarchy. Fudge college, honestly. Fudge it. Fudge it all. Fudge it all. It's just disgusting. I mean, why should a woman have... Why should that be different? It doesn't even make any fucking sense. The way the whole world works is fucking ridiculous. And I am tired of it. If a woman and a man should have the same experience leaving a religion if they want, it shouldn't be different for the two of them. I mean, fudge it all. And it's that's just representative of the whole patriarchy, and I'm sick of it. Anyway, she's going through a healing journey, and I, she says she sees parallels with her, her healing journey with the trauma and her healing journey with the Mormonism and leaving the Mormon church. But I'm so proud of her, and I love her. But she is reaching to conflate the two. I don't know if that's the right word, but she's reaching. And she does sign her name and get out of the Mormon church, and I'm proud of her because I love her. But also, she's nuts. And that's what I love most in the housewife. So God bless you, Whitney. God bless. Then we cut to skiing. Now, a thousand of Heather's cousins show up. Uh-oh, hello! And maybe I have more in common with the Salt Lake City women than I think, because this felt like appropriation of Italian culture. Only instead of a million white women showing up to ski, it's 11 men named Frank showing up to the Pellegrino family reunion with trays of homemade sausage, peppers, and onions, and gabagool as an appetizer. Italians know what I'm talking about. It's like every family reunion, a hundred men named Frank and Anthony just keep popping in with trays of sausage. I'm like, here's my famous sausage. And you're like, who's that? And it's apparently a Pellegrino. Surprise. And so I guess I have more in common with Heather Gay and Whitney than I realized because all these cousins and siblings and all that, I guess it does feel like at home. Anyway, this is interesting at the ski trip because Jen Shaw shows up happy as a clam. Happy as, she's got cocktails in the bag. She's like, I'm bartending on the slopes. (laughs) 
it's crazy to me because she's about to go to off the slopes and into prison, into an orange jumpsuit. I'm sorry to say, and I'm going to miss it because she's just showing up on camera, so happy and joyful. And then the whole, all these other people are there. There's a hundred Angie's there. There's someone named Dana. I don't know who that is. And we're getting introduced to people quick. It's happening like at the speed of light. We're like, here's Dana, here's Angie H, Angie K, Angie C, Angie C, Angie D, and F. It's a hundred Angies, and I'm trying to keep up with these people. I'm taking notes. I take copious notes when I'm doing these shows. I got three fucking pages just say the word Angie on it when I'm watching the Salt Lake City women. And so they're trying to introduce us, and then it's like, oh, there's Angie, 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 Dana, Angie, Dana, Angie, Dana, Heather's cousin, Whitney's sibling. Like, who are all these fucking people? They need to slow down. And I, Bravo editors, they do their best to put on screen and slow it down a little bit with the titles. They write the title name under the person's, uh, the, the title card under the person's name or face or whatever on screen. But I still cannot keep up because there's too many people there. It's just too many people showing up. And Angie hugs Lisa, but Lisa's pissed. She doesn't even want to see Angie, aka Sarah Paulson, aka American Horror Story. And then no one's asking Jen any questions about the, New York stuff. I think they do eventually, but at first I was like, why isn't anyone broaching the subject of Jen Shah's charest? Because I feel like this season they're all just forgetting about it. And they're just cheers and they're not asking questions. They're just like, congratulations, here's the main room on vacation. And it's like, well, what the F? Like, why is, why is nobody asking any legal questions about what's going on with Jen Shah? Anyway, we do see some close ups of the charcuterie. And charcuterie has been our sixth housewife this season because every episode I'm getting close-up shots of charcuterie. I already talked about Jen Shah charcuterie with the Hormel pepperoni. And now we're at a location where we're getting close-up to the charcuterie when they all go to the bar. And Meredith saunters on over to, this was so funny, Meredith sauntered on over to the bar. And, and when she asked for a Chardonnay, something about the way she said it, it was like, I think I'll have a Chardonnay. I think I'll have a Chardonnay. And I mean, I think I'll have a Chardonnay. <laughs> I think I'll have a Chardonnay. <laughs> I'll just give me one of them Chardonnays. I think that's what I'll have. It was like a little slurry, and I know we've talked about Meredith's. Sometimes she slurs, and God bless. We, it is what it is. But there's something about her ordering a Chardonnay in that way that just brought so much joy to my life. It was like my... You know when you get the goosebumps and the chills? When she ordered that Chardonnay, it was like the littlest moment, but I got so excited. I think I'll have a Chardonnay. I think I'll just have a little Chardonnay. Just give me a little Chardonnay in the cup. (laughs) I love her. I love these women. I think I'll have a Chardonnay. And then she orders the Chardonnay. Now they're all drinking. This is at the bar after the thing. Angie tries to pull aside Lisa. Lisa's like, I'm not interested in any more lies. I'm not going to do it. I don't want to do it. Angie says she doesn't even remember. She Angie talks to Whitney, too, and is like, I don't remember talking about sucking dick for jazz tickets. And Whitney doesn't even care. She says the stakes are higher with Heather, which also makes no sense to me. Because I thought she knew Angie forever. I can't keep up with who knows Angie for how long. I feel like they all make it up, too. Do you ever know that on the Housewives? They're like, I've known you for 40 years. And then you realize in, a, in an interview or something that they just met when they were cast on the show together. You know, that always happens because Bravo producers will tell them to play it up. So I always think of the classic example as like Ramona and Luann. You know, when you first meet them, they're like, well, I've known Luann for 10 years. And then we find out in like interviews later on that they just met when they were cast on the show. Or Jill's there, and Jill's like, I've known Ramona for 45 years. And 
It's like, you did not know her. Maybe you like saw her once, but the producers tell them to do that. They're like, play up your relationship. And so with Angie, I feel like they're all playing up. Jen Shaw's like, I've known Angie H for 46 years. I was like, I do not believe that. I like they have a Chardonnay. I do not have a Chardonnay. I love a Chardonnay. Anyway, uh, where are we at here? Then Weather sits and talks. Heather says she just doesn't understand. I feel like I'm slurring now. Like, <laughs> I feel like I had a Chardonnay. I think I love a Chardonnay. I do not have a Chardonnay. <laughs> oh, I love our shows. So Weather sits and talks, and Whitney says, you weaponize my pain against me, and... Heather has no idea what like Whitney's doing. She just is so confused. And I'm the same way. I'm right there with Heather. I don't get it. She said, Heather says she made the trip about her healing journey instead of Jen Shah, which of course, but like, I don't understand what Whitney's wants from Heather. And they have this weird moment where they try to do their tagline. They say, uh, Heather says, it's bad weather no matter what. And we can weather this storm. And I just love these lines. Like, that's a line. They, somebody wrote that. And I love it. I love them. Then they make up, but it's also odd. Whitney says, my heart was so deep and it's going to take me a minute. A lot of drama. Whitney's a lot of drama. A lot of drama. Next week on the show, we get Jen at the trampoline park. Then Whitney's husband is let go. Angie's husband starts an Instagram page against Jen Shaw. I did not care for that. I mean, Angie might be doing teetering into doing too much. When I saw her in the preview for next week, when she shows up to the dance audition, looking nuts in the dance outfit. And then I found out she, her husband, I don't like when the husband gets involved, the husband better stay out of it. Stay out of it. Fudge the husbands. Fudge college, honestly. Fudge the husbands because the husbands, when they get too involved, it's not good. So Angie H or whatever, whichever Angie's husband this is, you need to cool it. And so this is warning number one, Angie's husband. You can't be starting Instagram pages about these women. We want you out of women's business. So do not come in here and start an Instagram page. It's not appropriate. Okay, you hear me? I don't know what your name is, but I hope you hear me. And that's next week on the show. I'm so excited. I love him. I love him. Anyway, uh, let's get in. Let's take our break. We're going to take our break, and then we're going to come back and talk Beverly Hills Housewives. I want to thank Acast. Find me on social media at Danny Pellegrino, Twitter, Instagram, and TikTok. Also, I put out an episode with Drew Barrymore, the one, the only. I got to do the interview live and in person when I was in New York last week. So check out that interview. And thank you to everyone who's been listening and sharing. And it was such a delight to get to chat with her. I mean, what a dream come true. So you can watch that on the YouTube channel or listen to the extended version on the podcast feed. And uh, enjoy and share and thank you. And I love you. And we'll be right back. I'll have some Chardonnay. All right, I'm sure a lot of you out there can relate because every time there's a commercial break and I'm watching one of my shows, I'm always hopping on the Redfin app or website because I just want to check out real estate listings. Like I love checking out real estate listings, even for the houses that I cannot afford. It's my favorite app to use Redfin. Uh, I just got a home, of course, but it was pretty stressful process. And if I would have known how easy Redfin was, I think it would have helped out a lot. Redfin updates their listings every two minutes and sends you personalized recommendations. So finding the home that's perfect for you has never been easier. See something you like? Well, book a tour straight from the app. And when you're ready to buy, an experienced local Redfin agent can guide you through the whole process, making it so easy. And if you're looking to sell, Redfin agents know how to get you the best price possible for your home. That's because they sell twice as many homes as other agents with a listing fee as low as 1%. Redfin's fees are half of what others often charge, which means you'll have more money to put towards your next home. 
Now that's a great thing. I love using Redfin. I love checking out. If you're buying or selling a home and you need some help with that, check out Redfin. Download the Redfin app to get started. You are the biggest bully in Hollywood and everyone knows it. Woo! The Real Houses of Beverly Hills reunion part three. I need a cigarette. After the time that was sad, Kathy came out to start dragging people left and right. It ended on a toast, but Splits was just crying through the toast, and then she ultimately decided to fist bump instead of drinking the carcass out cocktail. I mean, come on. And then they ended with a BravoCon update. You guys, this was intense. I'm drained after this season. I can't handle not one more episode. Normally we get to this point and I'm saying, bring on the shit they should have shown episode. Or one of those episodes where they show all that stuff where it's a bonus secrets revealed stuff. I don't want no more secrets revealed. Danny is tired. I need a nap after this season. It's not so easy taking all these notes and covering all these ladies. And these women do not care for each other. Normally, at the end of the reunions, they all get together for cocktails. These women were dispersing. They weren't going to dinner together. There's no way a change is going to come on this uh, season, uh, this cast, because Lips has got to be out of there. They all seem to hate Lips. Kathy was saying to Lips, you're the biggest bully. Not one of them stuck up for Lips. I mean, it's intense. Even Dorit was getting the getting the stuff, the business, as they say from Splits. She was trying to help Splits. And I mean, oh, you guys, so much to talk about. So much to talk about. Where do we think we go from here? I do think Crystal will be back. And I do love that Crystal was trying to get out catchphrase. She keeps using that, get real. <laughs> Has anyone noticed this? This is something we talked about earlier in the season of The Real Houses of Beverly Hills. Crystal said something like, get real. And then I noticed she started doing it at the reunion again. And it's like, that's she's trying to make that her tagline, her catchphrase. And it's working on me because I ended this reunion. I was like, they all need to get real. Get real. I loved it. I loved it. And so we opened, though, without Kathy. So last week they ended with Kathy coming in like Jaws in the Water. And then we opened this week and Kathy wasn't out yet. She was in the backstage area. She was getting her glam done. She was putting on her Barbie Dreamhouse outfit. And we start talking about Bamboozle Jane getting some hard dick. So apparently uh, Erica Jane's been getting good sex. And she's like, it's so nice to be with someone who's got a hard dick all the time. And I'm happy for her. You know, good for her. Get that. Get that. Get that. And here's the thing. They talk about bamboozle jane's drinking and i always supported her messy drinking for the time being i don't want that to become a habit but i supported it except when it came to garcelle's son that was when it got unacceptable to me and they do discuss this andy confronts dorit and kyle for laughing about the jacks thing and kyle rightly says i wasn't there for that but then they're like well dorit what's your excuse She's like i don't know it was unsettling i told him mama's got some flowers you know dorit didn't have no excuse for it but I was glad that they called it out because it didn't make any sense. Why was Dorit saw the whole thing? And so they were all encouraging Erica's drinking the whole time. And I never had a problem with that. I don't think most people had a problem with the drinking until it came to her being inappropriate with a young child, a 14-year-old kid. It was unacceptable, unacceptable. Anyway, Garcelle points out something that was very interesting to me. This was a little behind-the-scenes moment because she says, on a reality show, she doesn't say it in these exact words, but she says you have to accept the apology and then move on or else you look crazy. And that's something we talked about on The Real House of Salt Lake City before because Meredith Marks, I think, does look crazy because she's not accepting Lisa Barlow's apology for the hot mic moment saying she has sex with half of New York City and can't hold down a job. She's garbage whore. And so she looks crazy rather than Lisa Barlow looking crazy because on TV you have to accept the apology because the audience is ready to move on. If they don't move on on screen, then the audience gets mad at the person who's not moving it forward because we want the storylines to move forward. And so it was interesting Garcelle point that out, that she's not moving on, but she has to move on or at least accept an apology, even though she internally, I don't think, accepted the apology. Does that make sense? 
Anyway, then Andy asked Bamboozle Jane about the fraud situation. Now, Erica says she has no victims. And Andy points out, well, there wasn't just one case. There's other cases because Bamboozle was sort of bragging about the fact that she got one case thrown out or something like that. And Erica says she's got to help herself before she helps others. She has an analogy about a plane ride when the plane is going down and you got to put on the oxygen mask. And I thought to myself, maybe this isn't a good analogy. Because we know that the whole thing is about bamboozling orphans and widows and plane crash victims. And so I thought, maybe, Bamboozle Jane, you shouldn't use that analogy. Maybe pick anything else, any other analogy, but she picks a plane going down. Then Andy asks about the therapy she's in, and she finally says she's disappointed in some of her actions and the way she's responded to things. And then Andy starts asking about her empathy, and she's uh, saying that she has empathy. And Andy's like, well, it's not landing. And this is when Andy's a good host or a good moderator because he's saying, look, what you think you're doing is not working because none of the other ladies are saying that to her in uh, such clear-cut words. And so he's saying it's not landing. It's not landing. But Andy and Erica have this moment that really reminded me of the Bethany Carroll Real Houses in New York reunion moment. Do you remember that time when Carol said to Andy, oh, you're afraid of her too? And Andy comes back. He's like, I'm not afraid of her. And he starts yelling at Carol. And we knew that was the end of Carol, right? That was like, okay, that's goodbye, Carol. You can't say that to Andy. He's the moderator. And I felt like Andy and Erica had a little moment like that. And I don't think it'll ultimately get Erica fired from the show. But I do think that Andy in real life was pissed at Erica when he was asking about them earrings. And she's like, we're on appeal for legal reasons. And he's like, well, that's what I'm saying. That's what I'm saying, too. We're on appeal for legal reasons. She just kept on repeating. We're on appeal for legal reasons. She just kept saying that over and over again. We're on appeal for legal. And he was like getting pissed at her. And I do think if Erica didn't have all the storyline with the whole thing with Tommy Two-Tones and all this whole legal situation, I do think they would cut Bamboozle Jane loose because I do not think that he was happy. And I think she's getting a little too big for her britches on the show, meaning she knows that she's safe for a couple seasons because I think they're going to get rid of lips. I think that's what's going to happen next season. But I think they're going to keep Bamboozle around because she's got a built-in storyline for the whole show and it gets press outside of the show and they can kind of absolve the fact that she hasn't been charged officially with crimes or there's no, uh, you know what I'm saying? She's not actually going to jail yet or any of that stuff. So I think they can justify keeping her around. It's built in storyline. It's built in press. But otherwise, I don't think he would because I don't think Annie was too happy with Bamboozle Chain when she's saying, we're on a deal. You know, they all say they want to keep them earrings, though. Andy's like, who would keep the earrings? And they all raise their hands. They're like, I fucking want it. <laughs> Oh, I was having a good time. Girl. Anyway, she reveals that she talked to Tommy Two-Tones last week. And she says the whole conversation is like, hi, it's Tom. And hi, it's Erica. How you doing? Good, good. Bye. And that's how they end the whole call. And then Andy asks this really interesting question about Ruth Madoff. He's like, do you ever think of Ruth Madoff? She's like, I don't think about Ruth Madoff. And I was thinking, maybe you should. (laughs) Maybe you should watch that HBO doc. With Michelle Pfeiffer and Robert De Niro, maybe it's some good something good to watch on a Friday night. I know she's busy getting that hard dick, but maybe in between bedroom sessions, she could watch the that it was an excellent movie or the documentary. I'm sure there's tons of Ruth, Ruth Madoff stuff. What did I just call her, Ruth Madoff? Anyway, Kathy arrives, and Erica and Rena are seething. She says, "Hi, girls." And Erica and Rena's faces, do you see them? Ah, you guys. You guys just seeing their faces. I was so engaged when this was happening. I'm engaged! (laughs) I was engaged in this conversation. I was so excited when she came out. And Andy first asked her, he's like, did you figure out how to DM Rick? 
because, you know, Kathy on social media was just posting things to Rick that weren't to Rick. It was like public stuff. She's like, I'm figuring it out. Then we get into the tequila business. And Andy says, who cares to the other women that Kathy was promoting her tequila line because you all promote your stuff. And they show this montage and it did look like Kathy was promoting the tequila a little too much. I mean, it was like every scene. I, that montage was excessive. And I didn't even realize they watched the show and I take notes and I'm like, oh man, Kathy was really going hard for that fucking tequila. And so I do understand why they would get pissed. But the whole thing at Kimosabi, which was the hat place, and I have to say, Kyle was really upset about everything that was going on with Kath. But one of the times she was most upset was when Kathy didn't know how to say Kimosabi. And I do believe that's because she's gotten a thinny for their hats and she can't show up to that hat place without. Her family knowing how to say the name of the store. She can't show her face at that hat place, even if it's just below the eyes, because you can't see anything else with that hat. You know, even if she, <laughs> even if Splits shows up at that hat store with a hat covering the eyes and the forehead, she can't show the rest of her face in that store if the family members can't pronounce the name. So she's correcting through tears. She's like, it's Kimosabi. Why can't you say that? And that's like the most upset I feel like Kyle got was when Kathy didn't know how to say the hat name store. <laughs> It was like she wasn't concerned about the sister situation or nothing. She's just like, why can't you say Kimasabi? Anyway, Kathy thought there was a whole setup for her tequila, and she just misunderstood because she thought Kyle was going to do a tasting for her tequila, so she got excited. And it reminded me of my birthday when, I, of course, I thought Leah Michelle was going to serenade me with happy birthday alongside Jonathan Groff. Uh, many of you might know that story. I've told it on the podcast before. It's in my book, but... I thought that was what happening. And then I got upset because that wasn't what happened because you build up these expectations in your head and then they're not fulfilled and you're mad at yourself. And so I understood what Kathy was saying, but Kyle did not get it. Anyway, Kyle starts crying here and then she doesn't stop crying. And Kathy yells at her a couple times. She's like, Kyle, there's nothing to cry about. And I was on Kat's side. Here's the thing though. Kyle was realizing that this was a position, a time for her to play the victim. Remember I said a few episodes ago, a housewife baseline, their favorite place to be is victim. Doesn't matter what franchise. I think we were talking about that in regards to the Real House of Salt Lake City. I think I'll have a Chardonnay. I think I'll have a Chardonnay. <laughs> but we were talking about that in regards to Salt Lake City. And I believe that that's a housewife's favorite place to be. And that's where Meredith Marks is over on Salt Lake City. And Kyle noticed an opening where she could be the victim Rinna tried to get in the spot there in a couple times. She's like, well, I was traumatized by Kathy. And then Kathy tried to get in that victim spot. That's their favorite place to be. Doesn't matter who it is. I don't care whose side you're on. These Real Houses Beverly Hills women, they're more media trained than anyone else on the whole network. So they know when there's an opening to be the victim, they're taking it. And Kyle really took this this episode. I'm not saying I don't feel bad for Kyle. I definitely think Kyle's been caught in the middle. But of course, I think she's playing all this up because she likes the victim space because that's the best spot to be in. She's got a safe spot for next year, built-in storyline for next year. She's sympathetic. It goes back into the early days of reality television, the days of yore. Remember the hills, Laguna Beach? No one loved playing the victim more than Elsie. Elsie was a brilliant mastermind when it came to finding the opening as the victim. She did it on Laguna Beach with Kristen Cavallari and the love triangle, Stephen Coletti. She did it on the hills when they started calling her beef curtains. I don't remember what the whole situation was in the hills. Something, remember, she was yelling at club. You know what she did. And that was her opening to be the victim. She made it into a multi-million dollar empire. Smartest woman on TV, I believe, at the time. She was one of the earliest influencers. Lauren Conrad, I got to give her respect. But... The women on TV, the men on TV, anyone on TV, they see an opening to play a victim. 
That's millions in their pockets. Ladies, am I right? Anyway, so I'm not saying that Kyle's not a victim. I'm just saying she found an opening. She took it. So Kyle's crying, and it is very deep. Again, it's a family drama. This is a, it goes way beyond the cameras of Bravo. Way beyond. Now, Kathy says at the club where this whole situation happened, she offered money to play some songs. She said, I'm Kathy Hilton. Will you play some fucking songs? And the manager got annoyed because he said, you don't even belong here. He said, where are you from? Kathy said, L.A. And he said, go back to L.A. Said, get the fuck out. And then that's when Kathy started getting pissed. I'm going to take down NBC Bravo. And then apparently Erica said, this is what Kathy said to Erica at the club. And I won't repeat it verbatim, but she said the DJ is an old effing F word. So you know what I'm saying? Okay. So first of all, a lot to take in. I'm I'm shocked that they actually played this because the rumor was that this happened, but it had never aired on the show. And I was surprised at the end of the season, they kept making these accusations but talking around it. And finally on this reunion, they say what Erica heard about Kathy. But I thought that Rinna heard this. I didn't know that it was just Erica that heard this. So that was interesting. They did an investigation. It was inconclusive. HR found that it was a he said, she said, or she said, she said. And... The most interesting part of this conversation was with that. We always thought it was Rinna versus Kathy, but it turns out there was this moment between Erica and Kathy that I think was the best moment of the whole season, where Erica sang what Kathy said, and then Kathy said, I have a little more credibility than you do. And Erica's like, what do you mean? I got credibility. And she's like, no, you fucking don't. Ah, oh, you guys, I got the chills. I got the chills when she said that. I have a little more credibility than you. Ah, oh, I was engaged. I'm engaged engaged in that conversation <laughs> that's Brittany from Vanderpump Rules by the way I put her back on the soundboard we'll take her off next week anyway there was an investigation Kathy says brings up Erica's furs her bags her Cartier things then Kathy says that Rinna said that night at the Aspen house when Kathy was apparently storming around stomping on glasses and all that stuff Kathy says that Rinna said you're preaching to the choir meaning Rinna was co-signing all the things that Kathy was saying Brenna says that Kathy said, you're going to take down NBC Bravo. I'm going to get Kyle fired. Kathy says she didn't say any of it. Now, I do believe that Kathy said all of it. I hate to say it, but I do believe Kathy did have this meltdown at the Aspen House. And I think she said all the things. Sutton at one point said, I don't really care what she said. And I love Sutton for that because that's the truth. I don't think Sutton cares. She's on this TV show and she's like, yeah, I'm on a TV show with Kathy Hilton. Of course, she don't like me. So Kathy, I think, did say that Dorit's a bore. I don't know what she said exactly, but all these horrible things about all the gals. And I think she said every last one of them. Every one of them. And Kathy was saying she didn't. But Kathy also said to Rinna, oh, this was an interesting moment I wrote down. Kathy said to Rinna, Lisa, I know you're having problems. And Rinna's like, what are you talking about? And it was very much giving me Kim saying, let's talk about the husband. Do you know what I'm saying? It was like that kind of vibe when she said it. And I was just wishing they would cart out Kim Richards. Wasn't everyone wishing that with that fucking bunny? I don't know, just wheel her out on the golf cart or something. I just needed her there because I, I feel like Kim would have really good insight into this. And so they have to get Kim next season. I don't care what it costs. Bravo, you need to get Kim, Kyle, and Kathy in there. I need all three of them. I need it. I need it with every ounce of my being. And if you don't do it, I'll take you all down. I'm going to take down NBC Bravo. Kathy also reveals that she didn't stomp on them glasses. She's like, I got them in the dressing room. And then Kathy also lies when she says that Rinna made up the whole text message thing. And then this was this was funny. <laughs> Andy says, well, Rinna, can I see your phone? And Rinna just shows Andy the phone. It's got Kathy's name and number in there. 
and the text messages are there, and Kathy just lets it go then. She's like, well, that's weird. They're not on my phone. And I was like, Kathy, you delete them from your phone, but other people, other people still have them on their phone. And I loved that. And honestly, I supported that whole scene. I really did enjoy that. But Kathy's very clearly lying. Now, it is what it is. You could pretend that she's not lying, but she is lying to us. And whether or not you care is a different story, right? Like, I still am enjoying Kathy on this program. I'm just saying there are moments where Andy very clearly calls her out for lying about the text messages. And it's like, yeah, she's lying. But you know what? They're all lying. And that's what I'm here to blow the lid off of. These women are media trained and they're all a bunch of liars and I love them. And I'm grateful for their presence and their entertainment. And so lie away as long as it's entertaining. The problem is when it gets past the point of entertaining. And that's where I think we are with lips. So get around out of there because it's not entertaining anymore. It's just getting too, I'm not having no fun. And you know what? Sometimes, girls, we want to have fun. Girl. Now, I don't. I love decorating the house and getting furniture, but sometimes it could be overwhelming to design a space. And so, luckily, I'm here to tell you about a company called Cozy. Now, Cozy is fantastic, a North American company that thoughtfully designs furniture made for modern living. Now, Cozy strives to provide the best furniture shopping experience with elegant, super high quality products, plus fast delivery and easy assembly, which is really important to me because I do not like putting together furniture. So the easier, the better for me. Now, Cozy offers a beautiful, customizable sofas and sectionals that are made to adapt in time. This means customers can add seats to the sofas over time. Maybe if you're extending your family, you might want more space on the couch. Cozy also offers a great range of coffee tables, washable rugs, wall shelving, credenzas, TV stands, and accessories. So much. It's thoughtfully designed furniture made for modern living. There's an outdoor sofa and tables collection that is fantastic. It's called the Mistral. So you can choose the perfect sofa configuration for your outdoor setup. Uh, Cozy also opened its first retail space on Queen Street in Toronto to push the experience to the next level and allow customers to engage physically with the products. So transform your living space today with Cozy. Visit Cozy.com, spelled C-O-Z-E-Y, to start customizing your furniture today. Again, that's Cozy, C-O-Z-E-Y.com. I want a big, I, I don't want it this to be misconstrued and saying I want a big rosy Real House of Beverly Hills because it's never been that. It's always been dark from the beginning with the Kim stuff and the limo and every, the Taylor Armstrong stuff. We've never had a light, easy, breezy Real House of Beverly Hills. So let's not kid ourselves. But what we do need is a balance. So I do need Denise Richards sauntering in in some jean shorts and some jorts uh, in betwixt the scenes of family drama with Kathy, Kim, and Kyle. So I do want it balanced. So I don't want to come on here and say, we just want to have fun. We just want it easy breezy. We need it balanced. But I think we've tipped the scale too far with the Lisa Rinna stuff. And it's too icky. It's feeling a little too icky. And so we need to rebalance. But still, I don't want the Bravo editors or the producers to think that we don't want any darkness because that's where this show is. And that's what the pilot of this show was. Whether we like it or not, that's what it is. Anyway, Rinna says that when she left Aspen, she got a call from TMZ. She said they already knew. And Kyle's pointing out, like, you're just making my life hard when all this stuff is leaked. So now they're just talking about whether or not this happened. doesn't matter. They're pissed that it got leaked to the press. And so Kathy says to Rinna, you wanted it on camera because your contract was coming up and you needed the drama. You drove LVP off the show. You did something to my sister, Kim. She said that Camille Grammer hates you. The list can go on and on. And I wish we had cameras on all them gals. I wish we had a camera in Camille Grammer's house. Camille Donatachi, I wish we had 
The whole crew in her house, wherever she's at, and she's in Malibu or Beach House. Which, by the way, do you remember when Camille, that once the last season she was on, remember she got married and they were all invited to her wedding and then they never talked to her again? <laughs> That's so funny. We were all led to believe as if they were all so close. It wasn't Kyle like in the wedding. <laughs> Oh, they lie to us all the time. I love it. Then, uh, so I wish we had a camera on all of them. But Kathy, then that's when she does her line. You are the biggest bully in Hollywood and everyone knows it. You are the biggest bully in Hollywood and everyone knows it. And Rena's like, is that right? And Sutton's like, I don't care. And then Rena says that Kathy abused her. She said abuse isn't just whatever. And Andy's saying to Rena, well, you've been screamed and you've screamed and yelled at other people. You've seen a lot of shit on this show. And he's like, that's what traumatized you. And Rena's like, I saw the devil and you were a fucking monster. And that was that. And this is the problem where Rena has gone wrong, I believe, because if she would have not tried to lean so far into the drama, I think she would have had more people on her side. But as it stands, she just was reveling in the fact that Kathy had this meltdown and said these awful things and not telling us, or it felt like she wasn't telling us. She told us some things on camera, but I felt like they were saving a lot of it for the reunion. And I understand Bravo probably told him, Hey, you can't say the thing about the DJ on camera or two people in the press or whatever. But it felt like she was reveling in the drama rather than just living in the drama organically. Does that make any sense? I'm not sure. doesn't matter. Then, uh, let's see, Kyle, she's really sad this whole time. Dorit gives a motivational speech. She's like, Kyle, you got a bump in the road, but your blood, you'll make up. You hit a bump in the road. Dorit. (laughs) This is Dorit's last episode, by the way. (laughs) It's her last episode. I don't believe that she'll be back. She'll be a friend. I think she'll pop into one of Kyle's parties and try to get that diamond back. But I don't think... We need her around. She's done. She's toast. This was her swan song. That last moment when she was in Kyle's dressing room, she's going by the way of all in Mellencamp. I don't think she'll be around. And unfortunately, she's given us some really funny moments this season, but I don't think it was enough. But her last motivational speech is what I'll remember her by when she said, you got a bump in the road, Kyle. Anyway, Kathy says that Kyle's acting like a martyr, and I was agreeing with her. I was agreeing with her. And they're all talking about how shocked they are. Kathy's like, I was shocked that this happened. Rena's like, I was shocked that this happened. I'm shocked that this happened. And then Kyle and Kath ultimately share the iciest hug, but obviously hate each other. And there's a moment where Dorit sort of shuts down the whole thing that's happening with Rena and Erica, because Rena says, we're going to get blamed for all this. And Dorit just shuts down Rena really quick, because I do believe Dorit's on Kyle's side. You saw at the end, Dorit was the only one in Kyle's dressing room, even though Kyle was crying that whole time. You didn't see Bamboozle Jane and Rena showing up in the dressing room. It'll be interesting next season, I think, without Lips there and with Erica there. Like, how are these dynamics going to shift with just Kyle and Erica and then Garcelle and Sutton and Chris? I mean, this is going to be interesting stuff. And I think they'll bring someone new. And obviously, Room 23's Diana Jenkins is no longer going to be with us in the show, in the world of the show. But what happens? Does anyone guess? And I can't wait to see when contracts go out. Can we get a... Can we get a camera on the contracts? Because I need to know who's getting the contracts. Who's getting the pickup letters? Andy, help us out. We need to know. I need some answers. Anyway, we end with Dorit's drink. Kyle doesn't cheer. She does that fist bump. She hugs Andy. And I do love the special relationship that Andy and Kyle had. They started the show. They started the show together and they hugged. And I felt like a genuine love relationship between Splits and Bravo Andy. And I just, I felt a warm, fuzzy feeling. I don't know. There's something about the passage of time, and maybe I was reading too much into this, or maybe, you know, I had too much Chardonnay. I do not have a Chardonnay. But I felt this 
I, th- <laughs> I think I'll have a Chardonnay. I felt this passage of time between the two of them, and I felt involved myself as the audience of watching these two and what they've been through together for this show and the amount they bled for this show with their families and personal lives. And I know Andy doesn't show his personal life on the show, but I do believe it's all wrapped up into one at this point because he started the show with these women. And so many have come and gone. We've seen people like Eden Sassoon, Adan Sassoon come and go. And we've seen Dana Pam Wilkie, $25,000. LVP, goodbye, Kyle. Denise, motherfucking Richards. Big Dick Aaron, so many have come and gone. Eileen Davidson, she's come and gone. And the only two standing are Splits and Andy. And in the end, the only two standing will be Splits and Andy. That's the end. And we see five minutes later the dressing room. Then we get a BravoCon update. Uh, Kathy and Kyle ran into each other at BravoCon. We all heard how that whole thing went. And we're just waiting for next season. I hope we get cameras up soon. And I hope we get Denise in front of the camera. I heard today there was a rumor that they're getting Brandy and Denise back. And you know, that's my, that would be my big thing. If Denise is coming back, you have to agree to sit down with Brandy Glanville. There's no way we can have you back otherwise. We need to move that storyline forward. We need to get Kim back in there. And we need to bring in some new blood. And we need to get Asher. We need to get Asher in there somewhere in the mix. Maybe start dating Erica Jane. I'm not sure. Producers, you guys got to figure that out. But I'm going to need to see Asher somewhere. Okay, so he's going to need to be on my radar and my... In my vision, I'm not saying we need Diana there, but we need to just have Asher. He doesn't have to be with Diana forever. We can make up some storylines. It's reality TV, but we could get creative. We, this, I know there's some scripting that goes on, and we're all aware of that. So let's just drop the facade and get Asher to start dating someone new. And if Dorit wants to save her diamond, that she better leave PK and start fucking Asher. Okay, if that's what it's going to take, it's what it's going to take. If that's what you want to be, uh, you want to be in front of the lights, baby. That's showbiz. <laughs> I don't know if you're listening, Dree, but that's showbiz. I'm sorry to say it, PK. PK is showbiz. And so if you want to be in front of that red light, that's showbiz, baby. There's one thing I've learned from, from um, I was just going to say Judy Winslow, but I meant Liza Minnelli. I'm not sure how I just mixed up the two in my head, but Judy Winslow, <laughs> Judy Winslow is the sitcom character from Family Matters that was mysteriously disappeared after a couple seasons. And Liza Minnelli is, of course, Judy Garland's daughter. And if there's one thing Judy Garland passed along to Liza Minnelli and the actress who portrayed Julie Winslow on Family Matters, it's that I did have some Chardonnay tonight when I was watching. Anyway, if there's one thing that uh, Judy, um, the dear Judy Garland, my queen, my icon and legend, passed along to the next generation of actors and then the Next, next generation of actors that includes Judy Winslow. It's that it's showbiz, baby. Get on the train or get off. So, Dorit, that's your marching orders. Sorry to say it, PK. I'm sorry. Don't want to break up a marriage, but that's showbiz. That's showbiz. Anyway, I love you all so much for listening. That's the end of the episode. We've talked about it all, and I'm so glad we made it to the end. Cheers to you all. Get your own carcass out drinks. We've deserved it. We've earned it. What a slog this has been, but I loved it. I loved every second of it. I love you all so much for listening. Get my book, How Do I Unremember This, wherever books are sold. You get a signed copy at everythingiconic.store. Go to the Patreon if you want bonus episodes of Everything Iconic. The holiday podcast is starting back up soon. It's called A Very Merry Iconic Podcast. You can listen to that wherever your podcasts are listened to, Spotify, Apple, wherever. I don't care. And I want to thank ACAST. Let's do our cheese little cool down. Let's take a deep breath in. Hold it. 
Breathe out. Take one more deep breath in. Baby girls. Girl. And by the way, oh, breathe out. I just want to also remind everyone that we are not going to be losing Asher from the soundboard. So going forward, even if we never see Asher again, which the probability of that is high, I'd say. I know he's a aspiring musician, and I don't want to discount his career so early on, but I do not imagine we'll be seeing a lot of him, and I hope that I'm proven wrong. I hope that he pops up on maybe The Masked Singer or something. I'm not sure. But maybe he gets a hit single, records a song with Taylor Swift. You know, she's got to do a follow-up to Midnight's. I love that new album. I love it. And so maybe we get him in the studio with Taylor Swift or Beyonce or one of our pop girlies. Because otherwise, I don't know that we'll see him again. But I want to let you all know that that doesn't mean we won't hear him again. Because he will be on the soundboard. He will be a major presence. And I will continue to remix him into various songs for the rest of time. So until I have this baby. Girl. So will we have Asher. And I do have to say that a lot of people think that's not Asher in the girl, in the girl song clip. But I promise you it is. So with all that said. I love you. Godspeed, those of you who are leaving Everything Iconic after this season of The Real House of Beverly Hills. I hope you'll stick around and check out the Salt Lake City recaps because they're some of the most fun ones to do. And I think that you'll have a good time with us. But otherwise, I will see you all next season for The Real House of Beverly Hills. And girls, I love you. Bye-bye. Girl?